20 different countries and training tens of thousands of people to step out and, and uh, trust God for he- miracles and healing and loving each other through it. So I'm expecting God to do a lot of great stuff tonight. This morning, I want to talk to you about a different sort of healing. Not the external body sort of healing, but something on the inside. I woke up this morning at about uh, roughly 4.30 And this thought popped into my head that at first I was arguing with, and the longer I've argued with it today, the more I'm like, you know what, I think that might have been the Holy Spirit. And um, I usually don't like to preach something I think might be the Holy Spirit, so I've I've been wrestling all day. I'll, I'll, I'll state the thought that I had. You can sort out with the Lord whether or not this was the Holy Spirit, but I know the Scripture stuff I'm going to use to kind of move things in a direction that is from him. So that I can bank on. The thought was, there are no life-controlling addictions. There are only life-controlling lies and life-controlling wounds. Well, that sounds like you all <laughs> heard the same 4.30 a.m. thing I did. <laughs> That's good. That's encouraging. Well, I think we'll, I think we'll go down this vein then. So... <laughs> I, like I said, I grew up in this wonderful home, wonderful church, and, and my parents, uh, doesn't matter how good of a parent you could be, you can't protect your kids from everything. And you can't, you know, look at how your kids do and make that a reflection on you, because, I mean, there's only ever been one perfect parent and his kids rebelled. It's in Genesis, you can read it. <laughs> so, with that said... Here I was about seven or eight years old, and I was abused by some older boys in my neighborhood. And just in case some younger ears are watching on live stream or something, I'll leave it at that, but uh, I think you all can figure out what that means. And a kid down the street introduced me to a magazine that he found that belonged to his dad, uh, that he found under his dad's bed, and uh, I was addicted. Could not get free. This was the worst part, though. I really loved Jesus. And I'd go to youth camp, and I'd go to, you know, different meetings in different places, and people would say things like, you just got to hate your sin more. And I'm like, I really hate my sin. And then they'd say, well, you just got to love God more. And I'm like, I really love God. I felt miserable because I'm like, I'm, I'm broken. Like, I want to get free, and I would try to get free. And it would be, you know, two weeks of behaving And I'd be right back where I was last time. It's like, you know, the Bible says that uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. It's in Leviticus, and then it gets quoted again in Hebrews. And so really, you know, forgiveness was something that happened at the cross. While Jesus is being crucified, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They hadn't even repented yet, and he's pouring out forgiveness. The paralyzed man's lowered through the roof that one time, and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, y'all don't think I can do that? Well, to prove it, get up, take your mat, walk. Right? I mean, that's awesome. Jesus was forgiving sin. The Old Testament forgave sin. You know, if if salvation was just the forgiveness of sin, then Jesus didn't need to come because forgiveness was always available. Apparently, there's something more to salvation. But the problem was my understanding of salvation was... I feel like a miserable person because I just keep messing up. So I'm going to crawl over to Jesus at the cross and say, Lord, would you please forgive me? And he's like, of course I forgive you. And I'd feel clean. I'd feel new. Everything's, oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. And then when those feelings started to wear off, I'd go right back out into the world and do the same thing all over again. 
And I thought that the Christian life was just walking this trench between the cross and the world and hoping that when I die, I'm closer to the cross than I am to the world. You ever been there? Then I started to discover something else. I was, well, let's fast forward the story. I was 17 years old, and uh, I I was reading Romans chapter 6. And it says some crazy things like, you know, uh, what shall we do? Shall we go on sinning so grace may abound? By no means. You, you are those who have died to sin. How can you, you know, continue in it? He's like, don't you know you who were buried with Christ in baptism were buried with him into his death? And he says, whoever is united with him in a death like his will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What? Suddenly I'm like, wait a minute. I've been coming to Jesus to get forgiven and then going back to the world. Why? I would go to the world to feel good. And then when I was so miserable, I couldn't take it anymore because I'm thinking this is the 347th time I've done this. There's no way he's taken me back this time. When I finally couldn't take it anymore, I'd crawl back to him. Why? To feel good. And it was all about me and my feelings and not about him and his lordship. I had come to him over and over and over for forgiveness, and I'd never come to him to die. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What? Let me ask you Bible scholars a question. You ready? Did Paul literally hang on a cross with Jesus? No. What does he mean I was crucified with Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, uh, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. One died for all and how many died? (laughs) Surprise, you're dead. Whether you like it or not, you're dead. And either you're dead in your sin or you're dead in Christ. And whichever spot you choose to be dead during this little short time we've got on earth, that's where you stay. You share the same fate. The world and everything in it gets destroyed in the end. The kingdom of darkness gets thrown in the lake of fire. I don't want to be dead there. Here's the good news. The gospel is Jesus didn't stay dead. I was a Christian stuck at the cross. My whole life, growing up, going to church, leading worship, teaching Sunday school, dead in my sin. And then I found out that if I'm united with him in a death like his, I will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, now this one, the resurrection that he's talking about there is probably the resurrection of the dead that is to come, that we look forward to when Jesus comes back and woo, the dead in Christ rise first. We who are living are caught up with him in the air. It's awesome. But there is a down payment of resurrection life that we get here and now. The Bible says that God has placed his spirit in our hearts as a seal, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And what's cool is God gives his spirit without measure, which means the down payment is all of him. (laughs) He just gives me the fullness of himself to come dwell in me. That was one of the biggest life-changing discoveries I ever had. I was like, over here, I'm, I'm striving in my own strength to be good enough And I found out the gospel wasn't a behavior management plan. It was a transformation plan. (laughs) 
2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, His glory and goodness, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. What? That's crazy. To actually live my life in a way that the nature of God is being revealed through me? That sounds like something completely different than what I was living in before. This youth evangelist came to our our youth group and, and he started talking about being free from stuff that's just gripping you, that you habits and attitudes and addictions and all that stuff. Now, I was new at this youth group. My, my wife Robin's sitting here. Uh, I uh, had just met her, wanted to impress her, wanted to be impressive to the youth group, you know. I, uh, it was already they were letting me play keyboard on the, on the worship team, and, and I'm like, this is great. Everybody thinks I'm awesome. And then this guy starts talking about these issues, and I'm like, I got one of those issues. I don't want them to see I've got one of those issues. So no way I'm responding to this altar call this guy's doing at the end. And then he said, if you've got issues like this and you want to get free, I want you to come forward to the front. And everybody in my youth group, including my youth pastor, got up and I was too prideful to be the only one sitting down. So I got up, I got ambushed into an altar call. (laughs) I didn't want to go forward. But this evangelist made his way one person at a time all the way through praying for people. And when he came to me, he said, what's your problem, son? And uh, I didn't want to say it. Looking around, making sure no one's close enough. I mumbled a little. (laughs) He's like, huh? He said, I have a problem with lust. His response could not have been better. He goes, oh, is that all? (laughs) Come on. I thought I was the most broken, ugly, distorted person that there ever was, and he was completely unfazed by it. And suddenly I realized this thing that I thought was so insurmountable, so unconquerable, it was like this little thing that doesn't even matter. I remember one time my my son JJ, he was probably what, like three or four, and he's uh, comes crying to us at night, and he's like, I heard something growl under my bed. And we're like, okay, let's go look. And so we look down underneath, and we're like, well, we don't see anything, you know. I mean, we lived kind of by some woods and could have been a raccoon or something, right? So we're, we're checking. And uh, I said, well, let's just pray. Yeah, unclean spirits, leave in Jesus' name. No more spirit of fear. And JJ goes, oh, it's just a, it's just a bad spirit? Okay. I thought it was a mouse or something. <laughs> It's like when you get your head wrapped around the level of victory that Jesus has accomplished, it's like, oh, that's all? Piece of cake. He says, is that all? Spirit of lust and sensuality come out in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not telling you this has to be your story. All I'm saying is this is what happened to me. When he said those words, I flew backwards five feet, landed on the floor, and sat up thinking clear thoughts. Yeah. Nobody caught me. (laughs) I just flew. 
The next day, I told my youth pastor what happened. He said, would you like to tell that testimony to our youth group? Yeah, I did. I shared it. A whole bunch of people are getting free. They're sharing their testimonies now. It's, it's great. Good stuff was happening. About six months later, I had this little thought come to me. You know, you could go back and do all the same stuff you were doing before. Everybody's heard your testimony. No harm done. You ever see one of those TV episodes where the, the, the group decides they're going to split up in search of the, you know, whatever bad guy? <laughs> and you're like, no, don't do it, right? That's kind of how I feel telling this part of the testimony because I'm like, in hindsight, I'm like, you dummy. <laughs> but in the moment, your flesh is like, oh, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Everybody's heard my testimony. I could go back and do the same thing. And I did. And exactly what Jesus said would happen in Matthew chapter 12, he said, when an unclean spirit leaves a person, it goes seeking arid and dry places and finding no place to rest. It brings seven more spirits worse than himself to inhabit this swept clean and empty house. And the second state of the man is worse than the first. And that's exactly what happened to me. I was worse off deeper in that addiction than I had ever been. Then, around about that time, I went with another pastor to go plant a church in Fowlerville, Michigan, and, you know, was leading youth and worship, and yet I was in this deep, dark place inside. My pastor, in his wisdom, he said, uh, you know, we're planting this church, but for the first year, we're not going to invite anybody. We're going to let the Lord work on our hearts. And he was really purposeful about it. He got a job as a chimney sweep, took care of us, you know. We, uh, <laughs> it was the most transformative year of my life, still to this day. There were things I learned during that year that I continue to apply in my life to, you know, seek the Lord for continuing transformation, but man, there was so much packed into that year, I, I can't even describe it. One of the things he did was he took us out to this retreat that another church was putting on, and one of the things they did was this cheesy little activity. They called it the movie of your life. Hollywood wants to make a movie of your life, fill in a few bullet points of the highs and the lows, and we're, no one's going to see this. It'll, we'll burn it at the end. And I'm like, okay, hokey activity, whatever. And I'm sitting there filling out the form, and for the first time, I took an account of those boys who had abused me when I was younger. Up until then, I'd been kind of like squashing that down, pretending that never happened. <laughs> wrote it all in, and I'm weeping. And I'm feeling like, who am I to be leading a youth group? Who am I to be leading worship? Who am I to be planting a church? Like, this is, I'm broken. And all, there was like this shame coming over me with it. It, it, was just, it, was, it wasn't good, but I mean, these were things that, I mean, I went from being a victim to being this is the game we play fairly, fairly quickly. It wasn't like I was completely non-consenting. So I'm processing all this. And this guy named Dave, he wasn't my pastor, but he was kind of a pastor figure to me. He comes up behind me, puts his arms around my shoulders from behind as I'm sitting in the chair, and he says in my ear, the Father is well pleased with you, Art. I didn't believe it. I started crying even harder, arguing with the Lord. And I, I don't remember if somebody preached it or if it was just a revelation to me, but somehow at some point there, something clicked inside of me. And I was like, wait a minute. When, when God said, this is my most loved son in whom I'm well pleased when Jesus was being baptized, Jesus hadn't yet preached one sermon. He hadn't worked one miracle. He hadn't died and risen again. He hadn't done anything that he came here to do except just live holy. 
But it was like this, this idea that I had to perform to get God's approval and His love just got washed out of me. It was like, I, I didn't understand this even fully at the time, but I got it once I had my first baby. When I'm looking at this little five and a half weeks early premature baby, and there's nothing he can do for me. He can't mow my lawn. He can't pay my car payment or whatever, you know. He can't do the dishes. He can't do anything. And I am wildly, crazy, madly in love with him. And it wasn't because of anything he could do for me. It was just because he was mine. Your Father in heaven is so much better than I am as a dad. He's not looking for you to be good enough. He's looking for you to surrender to Him and be His. He'll sort out the rest. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Him. You come to Him to get cleaned up. For the first few years of my children's lives, all they knew how to do was make messes that I had to clean up. (laughs) And I still love them like crazy. Come on. For the first time in my life, I forgave those boys for what they had done. This time, I was free. And I didn't fly backwards and land on the floor. All those spirits that had a grip no longer had anything to hold on to. The lie was broken. The lie I had been believing, (laughs) I'm dirty. I'm broken. I'm used up. I'm not valuable. I can never try hard enough. And Jesus came and set those things right with truth. Here's the thing. I was a Christian for a really long time stuck at the cross. And then I discovered there's another side to this thing. And it's the resurrection. And if that's all there were to the gospel, that would be good enough news. (laughs) Like, you can get really far with just that. But it doesn't stop there. I want to read you real quickly from Ephesians chapter 2. I'll pull it up on my phone here. I left my Bible at the house this morning, but here it is. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Hold on. Let's just pause there for a second. Do you notice the past tense language being used here? The way you used to live, right? When you followed, past tense, the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. Wait a minute. That means everybody's got a spirit at work in them. If you're living in disobedience, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's holy. People ask me, like, how do you get led by the Spirit of God? I go, easy. You've been led by a spirit your whole life. You know how to do it. The difference is that spirit told you what your flesh wanted. (laughs) And you would have a thought come to you saying, hey, let's go do this thing. And you said, That sounds like a good idea. Let's do that thing. And then you did it. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's just this spirit's holy. (laughs) Come on. 
When you were dead, he says, verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. If you were, past tense, by nature deserving of wrath, that means you're not anymore. That means you have a new nature. You're participating in the divine nature. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. Come on. I had to settle in my heart that this is real. That this is a reality that has taken place. Like, Paul didn't berate Christians saying, uh, you know, you're such a bad Christian, you need to try harder and be a better person. He would say things like, greetings to God's holy people. <laughs> you know? And then he'd point out a whole bunch of problems, and then he'd say, this stuff shouldn't be in your life. It doesn't make sense. It's unfitting for children of God, for people of God. It doesn't make sense. That's not who you are. <laughs> he speaks to the identity. He's like, don't you know when you were baptized, you were baptized with Christ into his death? What are you doing living in sin? That's not who you are. That's not what you do. It's illogical. The gospel is so powerful that if we really believe it, we start walking in the nature of Jesus. And an encounter with you becomes an encounter with him. <laughs> On the drive up here, we stopped at a gas station in Brighton, and uh, I thought I had a word of knowledge for, for somebody who had a problem in their right knee and uh, of the two ladies behind the counter, and they were like, no, no. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, they're like, why do you ask? I said, well, I'm a pastor, and you know, sometimes I get these thoughts, and I figure I pray for people, and the one lady goes, well, actually, my daughter has uh, problems in her, in her legs she's been complaining about for a few days, and she just pulled up in her car, and she's coming in here to work right now. I was like, all right, that's cool. Now, I wish I could tell you the girl's legs got healed. They didn't. I prayed for her. But it turns out the mom and the daughter, mom's husband and son, so the daughter's father and brother, were just recently killed in a breaking and entry. And this was their first day back to work. And here's this random guy with a big old smile saying, you know, Jesus loves you and he wants you well. The other lady who was there, she had pain all, she goes, no, it's interesting you said right knee because I've got pain all down my right side. There's like this nerve thing that goes down my leg and everything. And, and I was like, well, let me pray for you. And I prayed for her and she did get healed. Amen. Yay. <laughs> And of course, I'm sharing with the other lady, I'm like, I mean, we tried three or four times with the, with the other lady and nothing was changing. I said, if, if anything changes, you know it was Jesus who did that. But here's the thing, a lot of people ask me, what do I do if I'm out at the store and I pray for someone and they don't get healed? And I say, it's the wrong question. The right question is, what do I do if I'm at the store and I pray for someone and they don't get loved? Because Paul said, if I've got faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And later he said, love never fails. So in Paul's mind, if the miracle works, but I don't love, I failed. If the miracle doesn't happen, but I did love, I did everything right. You participate in the divine nature. 
Sometimes that includes healings and stuff like that, but I mean, even people who don't know Jesus can do healings. He said, there will be people on the day of judgment who say, Lord, Lord, I drove out demons in your name and worked mighty miracles in your name and prophesied in your name. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. The miracles are exciting. I love miracles. But they mean nothing in the timeline of eternity if they're not attached to life transformation. Ephesians 2 continues here, verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might clearly demonstrate the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Hold on! What just happened? Your partner's with him in his death. When Jesus died, I died. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Boom! I'm dead. Sin is dead. It is conquered. It is finished. And Paul says in Romans 6 that Jesus uh, uh, died to sin once for all, but the life he now lives, he lives to God. Let me ask you a quick question. How did Jesus die to sin if he never sinned? He took it upon himself. Peter says he bore our sin in his body so we could partake in his righteousness. In fact, Paul goes even further in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, he, he became sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. I used to think of myself as this miserable, broken, sinful wretch. And then when miserable, broken, sinful, wretched things came out of me, I didn't think anything of it because that's just normal. Imagine you buy yourself a refrigerator. And... Uh, now think about this for a second. You don't call someone a painter unless they paint. You don't call them a dancer unless they dance. But as soon as that refrigerator comes off the assembly line, we call it a refrigerator before it's ever refrigerated anything. Why? All the components are in place. It's what it's made for. It's what it is. All you got to do is plug that thing into the wall and it will refrigerate. Right? Imagine you buy yourself that refrigerator, you bring it home, plug it in, put all your food inside, come back in a few hours, open it up, and everything inside is piping hot. You'd be like, close that door, something is not right here. Step back and look at it, huh, thought I bought a refrigerator, what's going on? And then you see a little piece of masking tape on it that someone took a Sharpie marker and wrote, oven. Yeah, my mistake. Turns out I bought an oven. I thought it was a refrigerator. <laughs> but as soon as you peel that little false label off of there and you go, no, that's a refrigerator. Now what are you doing? Now you're on the phone with the manufacturer sending, send me the repairman. Something's wrong with my refrigerator. It's not supposed to do this. And here's the thing. We often as believers wear this little false label that says sinner. And then when sin comes out of us, we think nothing of it. Well, it's an oven. That's what it does. But if you peel that false label off of there and you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, then when sin comes out, you're like, something's broken. Because I wasn't designed for this. 
I wasn't made for this. You were made to sit with Christ on His throne. What? I don't know if you realize the magnitude of what's going on there. Remember in John 14 when Jesus said, everyone who believes in me will do the same works I've been doing and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. He went to the Father and sat down on the throne. Philippians 2 said, Jesus, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider his equality with God the Father to be something to be grasped or held on to. One version says something to use to his own advantage. But rather he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being found in human likeness, made himself obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It was after he died and rose again that he came to his disciples and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples. It was after he died and rose again that he came to John in Revelation and said, I hold the keys of death in the grave. The authority that Jesus has now, after the resurrection, now ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, is greater than the authority he was walking in when he walked this earth. And guess what? That's the throne we get to sit on with him. What? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You've been invited to walk in even more authority than Jesus had when he was walking this earth. That's so huge it sounds blasphemous. I'm not talking about doing it apart from him because Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me you can do nothing, right? I'm talking about living in union with the risen, resurrected Jesus so that his nature is coming out of you and people experience him when they experience you. I was addicted. I had rage problems. I, had, I was clinically depressed. I had all kinds of issues. Can you see any of it? Nope. And it's not because I'm really good at hiding it. I'm free. It's been 15 years of freedom. More than that now. I, you know, it's been a lot. And I'm telling you folks, I don't know where you're at tonight, today, this morning. Yeah, I'm used to preaching at night at my church. <laughs> I don't know where you're at this morning. I know where I'm at, right? Okay. I don't know when I'm at. But I know this. Whether you feel like you're stuck at the cross you're just walking back and forth, getting forgiven and going right back to the same old thing. Or whether you've got a born-again testimony where my life was changed, he came to dwell in me, but I see something over here that's available that I didn't even realize was available. To sit there with Christ on, the, on his throne and rule and reign with him and walk in his power and authority in union with him. Wherever you're at, or maybe, maybe you're already in that spot and you're living it, but you just want more. I'm telling you, he's got more for you today. Hmm. Someone want to come up to the keyboard? We'll, uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just anybody. You want to do it? You, you can come. <laughs> Lord Jesus.
You are so good. You're so good. Holy Spirit, we know you're here, but would you make yourself known? Would you come now and give us that sense that you are with us? Come, Lord. Lord, I ask right now that you would move on hearts, that you'd help people identify where they're at and and really help them hunger for you. Father, you said no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. Everyone who's heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone that needs to come closer to you today, that you would draw them deeper into your presence. Lord, would you just begin right now healing hearts? There are people that some of you need to forgive that you don't feel like forgiving. But I have good news for you. It's not your job to forgive them. It's your job to die to your old, better self and let Jesus, the forgiver, live through you. And he will forgive them through you. As you partner with him, you can then say, I forgive in Jesus' name. Right now, I'd like everyone to look up at me. I am. Um, been in church a long time, and I, I have nothing whatsoever against every head bowed, every eye closed, altar calls, and all that. I, I'm all for it. If whatever gets people into the kingdom, I just personally, I, I feel like if that's the only way we ever do it, then uh, we might create a, a, a mindset where we think that it's a shameful thing to come to Jesus. Like I guess it's only supposed to be me and the pastor and God that knows and. I don't think that's true. I think this is actually a family ordeal, that every one of us is in this together. And so with every head up and everybody looking around, in a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if if you want to surrender your life to Jesus today. And listen, it's not a shameful thing to come to Jesus. This is how you get set free from shame. I grew up in church. I was a worship leader and a Sunday school teacher and a youth pastor and I was dead in my sin. And I had to start that confession somewhere. Something had to happen. Something had to change. And when I brought that stuff out in the open, into the light, darkness no longer had a grip on it. If you're worried about like someone going, they raised their hand, don't worry about it. They should raise their hand, so you're good. We want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you and rally around you and help you succeed in new life. And so <laughs> that's why I want everybody looking around. This is a freedom thing. This is about stepping into the light. So if that's you today and you're saying, I'm dead in my sin and I want to be born again, I need the Spirit of God to live inside of me, the same Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead to come live in me and make me a new creation, someone who is united with Christ and living in union with Him today. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Awesome. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Thanks, Jesus. Well, come on. Thanks, Lord. Awesome. 13, 14. Jesus, thank you. Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim over every one of you, you are forgiven. The book of Romans says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so I just want you just to speak out loud, Jesus, you are Lord. Father, I pray for every one of these people that from this day forward, their lives would never be the same. I bless them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and fill them from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. Flood them with your presence right now. Take up residence in them, Holy Spirit. Bring them into union with Jesus in this moment. Come. give them the strength to live for you for the rest of their lives. That they would know who they are. That they wouldn't slip into that place of believing the lies and the wounds and the hurts from the past as though those things have anything to do with their identity. But Lord, their, their eyes with their hearts would be set on you. And as they behold your glory, they'd be transformed into your image with ever-increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Lord, Lord, I pray for, for a move of your presence in this church. That, Lord, this would be a place where people come to get their lives transformed. That, Lord, we wouldn't be able to help but run and tell every single person we know, you've got to meet the Jesus who I met. He can set you free. Lord, I pray that you would raise up pastors and evangelists and teachers and apostles and prophets and the whole thing, whatever you want to do, God, raise them up out of this group of people. Those watching online, those in person, God, would you move by your Spirit. Multiply your kingdom through us in Jesus' name. If there's anybody in this place you feel like you need to forgive somebody who deeply wounded you, you recognize there's bad fruit coming from the wounds of the past, there's bad fruit and all that. This is not about Jesus coming and patching up the ouchie. This is about taking that old wounded person and putting it on the cross with him and saying, no, that's not my identity. I decided a long time ago I am not a victim of abuse, but I also will not identify myself as a survivor of abuse. I'm a new creation. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. My effectiveness in ministry, my, my, my power comes from the Holy Spirit, not something the devil did. I, I refuse to believe that I'm more powerful in the kingdom of God just because the devil did something to me. Power comes from the Spirit of God. 
And so I've killed that thing, and when I share the story, there's no longer any shame or pain attached to it. Why? Because it's like I'm talking about someone else who died a long time ago, and I am. Some of you have have owned your, your past as your identity. Or maybe even it's your family history. It's like, well, yeah, I've got a rage problem, but it's an Irish temper, you know. (laughs) Listen, Jesus comes to set you free. Jesus had some notorious people in his family line, but he, in John, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus' family tree, the one he lived out of, was a stick. Father, Son. And just a few verses later, verse 12, he says, Yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, that's you and me, he gave the right to become the children of God. He's inviting you into a family tree that looks like a stick. Father, son, father, daughter. That's it. You're free from all that family baggage. All that family identity that says we'll never make it. All those family lies that say this is who we are when it's not who you are. You're not an oven, you're a refrigerator. (laughs) Be free in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you bring revelation of truth? Don't let this just be a head thing, let it be a heart thing. Come. If you need to forgive somebody, I want you to just put that hurt, wounded, bitter, angry person on the cross with Jesus. And I'm talking about yourself, not the person who hurt you. (laughs) You put that up on the cross with Jesus and say, Lord, would you help me? And I want you to just speak out loud. I choose to forgive them. certain people's hearts right now. I'm just going to wait. See this picture of a little girl in third grade, pigtails, sitting at a, a school desk crying. And it was because of something that happened between mom and dad before going to school that day. And she's just crying. And no one can get to her. And I see Jesus coming and wrapping his arms around her, saying, I've got you.
I see a couple right now, your marriage has been really strained. You've kind of been at each other's throats and, and wondering how much longer can we do this? And Jesus is saying, it's not about you doing it, it's about me doing it. And if you'll get out of the way, if you'll die to self, and let me live through each of you, I will live in union. <laughs> and your marriage will thrive like it's never thrived before. Just give it to me. Give it to me. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. If you can see it, you're not fighting it. <laughs> Don't fight against each other. Fight on the same team. You've got a common enemy. Lord Jesus, I ask that by your spirit, you would continue to work on hearts all day, all night, all week, all month. That, Lord, we would just things would get healed up that we didn't even realize were there. Lord, bring us to wholeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's start acting like we are, right? Instead of letting the world pummel us every time we walk out of church. Let's get the victory on this stuff. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Awesome, awesome word. <laughs> Sat there listening, and I was like, you should be taking notes. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go back and listen to it again on live stream. <laughs> Well, now you know a little bit about this, this man of God. And you didn't get to hear all the cool stuff that he shared with me last night of how he's been around the world. And uh, he, he started an orphanage in, is it Uganda? In Uganda, Africa. And uh, 500 kids have gone through it. 50 are in residence. Is that? And, and that's just one little piece of, what he's done and what the Lord. But if you would like, uh, if I could have, we haven't done this in a while, but if you would like to write a check, 
you can do that today. Uh, what? Where is uh, the other ear? Let's just, we'll have up here. All right, just have somebody with a bucket up there or the basket. And uh, maybe as you're going up, you could put it in there. I'm going to pray. Uh, you can also do live, you could do it live stream. You could do it online <laughs> and just uh, put in the notation art uh, or missions and uh, it, we'll get that to him today if it's in the, today's offering. So, <sighs> Father, we thank you again for the strong word. And, and as I was sitting there, I just sensed, I saw so many of our people just being set free. Lord, I pray that it would stick that when we walk out of here, the enemy wouldn't, wouldn't be able to rob it from us. Let us walk in that victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Lord, as we ask you today, what, what's our little part in this? What should we do to help support this man's ministry and his family, Lord? He has many needs. Just give us that number. Lord, bless each one that's able to give today, whether it's here or online. And we just thank you for Brother Art and Robin, the church that they have begun in Detroit. We pray that you would bless them richly, Lord. And we're so looking forward to what you're going to do tonight at 530. Lord, just keep everybody safe as they come and go today. And uh, we just dedicate this church to you and the very success of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for coming today. Hopefully you can come back tonight. It's going to be powerful. God bless.